Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. Is doing the most important things alone a good idea? How comfy are you with your choices when it comes to life's biggest decisions? What is real peace of mind with financial confidence and how can you get it? Chris Fleming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. On the show, they bring together the best and brightest minds to share with you how to have a more confident financial picture. They empower listeners with simple, common sense and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts from LPF Advisors. Hey, I want to welcome everybody to the Confident Retirement Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Fleming, here as always. And today, I have the honor of welcoming Dory Goikum to the podcast. She is an attorney and the founder of Off the Record Mediation Services. She brings a wealth of knowledge and insight to a topic sorely lacking in the world today, mediation and conflict resolution. Plenty of that to go around. She helps to resolve disputes by keeping things simple, confidential, and efficient while preserving reputations and people's sanity. That sounds like a tall order. Lori, thanks for being here. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, let's jump in. So you have kind of an interesting background. Take us through kind of how you found your current career. So I think you probably hear this from every lawyer, right? I had the probably three to four years of mental health crisis when I realized what law actually is. I actually kind of started in the on the criminal defense side in, in New York City. And I just really realized what a tough battle you're always fighting. Then I kind of went into family law and I, I did a lot of work uh, with small business and startups only because I come from a very startup friendly family. My dad's in startups. My brothers are in startups, both of them. So I kind of started there and then I began to realize how much there is an intersection between business and, and family, right? And how much it is sorely needed to have professionals that really understand both because almost everyone is dealing with some aspect of business in their lives. So that kind of led me to being sort of the person who understands family law and business law. And then taking it one step further, I was living in California. I was seeing how expensive um, litigation was prior to starting my mediation practice. The last case that I worked on, the parties had basically spent half a million dollars arguing over an 800 thousand dollar asset right i mean just insane stuff and i just thought i don't want to be a part of this i want to be a part of a solution to this and Mm -hmm. i i thought i didn't really know of mediation only practices although apparently they do exist but i was like i'm going to be the mediation only practice and yeah i started a few years ago and it's been it's been great there's a big need okay yeah certain there certainly is and we'll kind of jump into what that all means here in a minute so i'm curious though if you could go back in time and talk to the younger you maybe give that person some advice. What do, you, what do you think you would tell the younger Dory when they first started? Part of me wants to say, don't, don't go to law school, right? But <laughs> it's so cliche. Go. I don't want to yeah. be that person. Right. Um, I think, you know, there's nothing I would really do differently because I'm very happy with where I ended up. Mm-hmm. I do think focus for young professionals, and I know your podcast is targeted more towards retirement and things like that, but in all things, focus is everything. And it really, until I found what I really enjoyed and and decided to focus, that has been really the start of actually having a lot of financial success in my life. And up until then, it was very sort of touch and go, you know, I'd be making money, I'd have good months, bad months, and and it was it was stressful. But then I found the focus and I and also filling the need, right? 
Mm-hmm. Understanding that you can fill the need, you might be uniquely qualified to fill the need. And that's how I finally, after so many years, I finally felt when I began uh, mediating cases. Okay. Well, that I mean, I think that's good advice for anyone is to find a focus or to find what you are well suited for. And then hopefully the money follows. That isn't always the case, but in a lot of cases it is. At least you're happy because you're you're surrounding your focus on something that you're passionate about. Yeah. Okay. So what's like a simple way to describe or explain what mediation is and maybe when people should consider that instead of going through the court system? Because a lot of people, like you mentioned, they just think, well, you have to go to court for that, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Or I have to get a lawyer for that. Yeah. Um, so kind of walk us through that. I would say this. I think in almost every single case, you <clears throat> can benefit from mediation in one way or another. So that's not to say you have to mediate your whole case start to finish, although I do believe that is the best way whenever it's possible. But even if you're, let's say you can agree on half of the issues in your divorce, or you can imagine a universe where you might be able to agree and discuss half of the issues, then mediate that half and take the rest to trial. Every state is different in how they do things, but typically, you know, states allow you to bifurcate, meaning you're allowed to cut your case into pieces, so to speak, mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, I practice primarily in California where that's a big thing, um, maybe less so in other states, but, um, you know, it's okay not to settle every single thing. Settling many of the things will save you a ton of money, a ton of stress. And psychologically, the more you settle, the easier it is to settle the rest, right? You mm. get get closer. So I think there is yet yeah, an ideal sort of mediation client, but I think okay. even if you hate each other, even if you can't stand the sight of each other, there is a form of mediation that can work for you. There's such thing as shuttle mediation, right? Where you never speak to each other, where you mm. never, you know, you're just going, right? You can do online mediation. My practice is a hundred percent, well, maybe 98% online, right? You never have to sit in the same room as the other person. You can mediate with two attorneys. You can mediate without attorneys. You can mediate with attorneys on the back end. So I think it's, luckily, I think it's becoming very trendy to mediate. And I am very thankful for that. I just think it's a very healthy thing to do. But I think almost everyone can be uh, mediate. But to give you an idea of the ideal mediation client, it's someone who potentially has disagreements with the other party, but is willing to sit down and say, I might not walk away with everything I want. And I'm okay with that because I'm going to do better mediating than fighting this out in court mm-hmm. and, and be able to see that for the other side. And particularly where there are children involved, I think it's a very healthy mindset. And yeah. Yeah. Cause right. their, their benefit and care, especially for minors is hopefully something that's paramount in both parents' minds. Yeah. Okay. So, well, let me ask it this way. Are there some certain types of disputes areas where you specialize in or that you have a main focus or is it a wide swap? It's wide. I would, my main area that I think I do probably more so than other people is dealing with business founders, you know, startups. I think that's partially geographic and then just partially just who I am and and my contacts. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think there are some very unique considerations because, you know, there are RSUs, there are often these interesting equity interests, right? And so I think it's helpful to have someone who understands those because you can, as a mediator, I can't give advice, but I can sort of anticipate things, right? And so I'm able to sort of anticipate, okay, well, this is going to be something that in the future is difficult to value or right now is difficult to value or, you you know, whatever it is. So, yeah, I I would say that. Okay. 
So are you are you hinting that when businesses start up and become successful and there's a lot of money involved that there are disputes? Because <laughs> if, the, if the business isn't making any money, usually there's no fights. You know, right, right. Well, I mean, <laughs> I would say this. Uh, every once in a while, I'm even working with two very successful people, husband and wife teams who started businesses together, right? Mm-hmm. And that's like the... And, and maybe there's been outside investment, right? And maybe the business is really worth a lot. Or, I mean, that's a prime mediation scenario, right? Because you have mm-hmm. your business at risk, you have your co-parenting relationship at risk, and it's all wound up together. But yeah, I mean, more money, more problems, so mm-hmm. to speak. I, yeah, I think that's in many ways true. And mediation is about life, right? Like I've mediated a case where it was rules around ringing each other's doorbells, right? What time we're allowed to. If you think that doesn't bleed into other aspects of life, you'd be mistaken, right? Because you're ringing the doorbell because it's uh, I'm with a client and it's the certain, right? Like it all bleeds into each other and it's, it's just life. And I think that mediation is such a better tool than the blunt tools of the court system, unfortunately, which really aren't designed for family. Right. And I think blunt is a good word to use there. Yeah. The thing I picked up from what you just said there is don't have a doorbell. Yeah, don't have a doorbell. Actually, I hadn't thought of it. I don't have a mailbox yet. But, right, uh, don't get one of those either. Just <laughs> off the grid. Give me my Wi-Fi and my internet connection. Leave me alone. And a camera, and a camera. So yeah. what do you think is kind of a big misconception that people have about mediation or what it is that you, what you do that you kind I of help them overcome? I get a lot of people who think, and maybe it's not a misconception. It's maybe just an unfortunate perception that's out there. I have a lot of people who think, I'm going to drag on the case to get every penny. And for me, I'm like a true believer, right? It's so, so the opposite for me, but it just shows me how traumatized people are because a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of people who come to me, this is not their first divorce, right? Mm-hmm. And so they've been through something pretty financially traumatizing before. And and I would also add in there, I also do uh, prenups and postnups and most mm-hmm. of them who come for prenups and postnups, they've also, the reason they're coming is because they were in a prenup. Yeah divorced so yeah i think a lot of people are just very traumatized by attorneys and by the legal system and i think that they don't understand why attorneys charge so much which i actually do i understand why as an attorney i have to take you know a four thousand or ten thousand dollar retainer because i'm sort of trapped on your case right like Mm -hmm. i can get off without the court's permission but people think oh you're just a paper pusher and and so they're coming with a lot of trauma into the into the situation so i just try to be honest and honesty shines through. I think a lot of times I'm the first kind of honest person someone's spoken to and then they have to trust their gut on it, right? They just have to trust their gut that they're dealing with an honest person who's not going to cheat. And that's, it's hard to do, you know? Yeah, Um, right. When you've been misled, not by other attorneys, but just in relationships before and maybe lied to or, or yeah, Yeah. that would be tough. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that kind of leads into something else I wanted to ask you. What, what do you think people's biggest fears or concerns are when they initially engage with you? There are so many different types of people. I think some people just cannot confront their shadow, right? It's, it's just everyone, everyone, you know, you learn a lot about human psychology doing this kind of work and yeah. everyone wants to be a good guy. Everyone does. You know, there's no one who wakes up and wants to be a villain. And it's very hard for people to see themselves in a bad light. And sometimes, like, for example, sometimes we're dealing with money that has it just been gambled away, right? Like, mm-hmm. what do we 
what do we do with that? We have to deal with that somehow. I think the, the part of the skill is in making people understand that you're not sitting there in judgment, that everyone has problems. Everyone has financial problems. I've had problems myself. I also like gambling. <laughs> you know, I think just being human is very important. And I think people are very scared to sort of confront their own shadows. And then I think another type of person, a lot of times you see in a relationship, and this is probably, I'm sure this is something that you talk about. You have someone where there's one person who's just in charge of the finances and faces things that's on, and the other person just has no idea what's going on. Yeah. And it's very scary for them to, to find out that maybe they thought they had half a million dollars in retirement and look at that, it's $30,000, right? Yeah. And that can be very scary. And I, I understand why. And I think you just have to confront things as early as you can, as simply as you can, ideally together, even though you're not together anymore, because you're still more powerful as that, at least financial unit. Yeah, that's well said. And what do they say? People want uh, mercy for themselves, but they want justice for others. That is, yeah, that's very <laughs> So that self-reflection thing, saying I maybe contributed this or I'm part of the problem, that is really tough for, yeah. I mean, that's a mature adult thing to be able to do. And there's a lot of 40 and 50 and 60 year old people that are walking around that don't have that life skill. Yeah. So it's really tough. It's really hard. And (laughs) I, you know, I have to say one of the things, this is the reason I don't color my hair. I leave all my grays. One of the issues I I was very afraid of in mediation is a lot of times it's people who are like retired judges, right. Or who have a lot of experience. Sometimes it's harder as a younger person to say something person, right. Or to bring something to light. So I just try to be very humble and I'm learning from my clients all the time. I don't have a lot of the life experiences that they have. I have a different type of experience, you know, which mm-hmm. is the conflict. Yeah. Um, but you have to respect people and respect what they've been through and, and like what they're trying to do and just meet them where they are. And yeah. Well, if I can give you any advice story, I'd say embrace the gray. I, I embrace it. <laughs> and maybe wear some glasses or something. Make you look, make you look older. Okay. Your hair is great. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I've gone past the gray. Now it's, uh, I tell my kids that I shampoo with toothpaste. I love it. At this point, so. Okay. So there's, but there, there are some limitations to mediation, right? So maybe, maybe go through those for us, you know, where it's just, it's clear maybe it's not going to work or it's, it's not right for that situation. Sometimes when you're mediating with attorneys, and it's not that I discourage mediating with attorneys, but it can make things even more expensive, especially if the mediator is not great. If the mediator is very skilled, I think it's almost always a net positive. But if the mediator is just sort of there, I have cases, I won't name names, but where I am serving as the attorney and we're dealing with a mediator who's just like a blank slate, which is a lot of mediator styles. Like that's Mm -hmm. actually the style that you're trained in and that you're speaking I find in that case, you know, the client's just been spending a ton of money on me, a ton of money on the other party and a ton of money on the mediator. And maybe we could have just worked it out between the two attorneys. Right. So I do think there's a potential, you really have to work with someone who's skilled. And if you don't, if you're not seeing it, if you're not feeling it, then maybe the skill's not there. Then on top of that, another situation, I think this is rare, but I do think some people are just sort of sociopaths and enjoy the fight. And if you're dealing with someone, that's not to say that even with a person like that, you can't benefit from mediation because even someone who's a complete sociopath will still feel pain in their wallet, right? And mediation is the most efficient way to do things. So there are very few people who will keep bringing things to court and keep bringing the, the things to court to their own financial detriment just yeah. to get at you. But there are people like that, right? right? And so maybe in that type of case, you wouldn't benefit from mediation and you just need to get your day in court. Yeah. 
All right. I like how you said that. Now, maybe you could share with us a recent success that you had with a client without sharing details and you know names and that stuff, yeah. just on a high level, kind of the what they came to you with, the situation, and then how you were helped help the, the parties work through that. So my sort of proudest moments are being able to resolve very large estates mm. in very short amount of time. Like that's always my, especially when I get a very large estate, I'm like, ooh, you know, because then I think in, so let's say it's in a state of like probably the biggest estate I've, I've worked on, maybe $19 million, right? Mm. This is something where potentially in the worst case scenario, they could have spent $10 million fighting mm. each other, right? Mm. And instead, um, and I do have one recently like this where basically I don't even want to say how much I, I charged in the end because I feel like I undercharged. I just, it's, it's upsetting. But I mean, basically for several thousands of dollars, we can resolve an, a $19 million state, right? It's doable. I've done things like that a couple of times. Now, these people might be particularly friendly, right? right? These people might be particularly motivated, still have love in their hearts for each other. Like, so I would never call that a typical scenario. But if one person looked at the other person the wrong way or it went the wrong way, this could have been millions of dollars down the drain. And so those are sort of my 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 proudest moments. I think the other thing that is really kind of the greatest satisfaction is when you have a very difficult parenting situation and you're able to come to an agreement because like the most difficult thing you can mediate in my mind is a move away case or like a mm-hmm. case where you you have co-parenting between two states, right? California, you get that a lot. California, New York, California, Florida, Texas, California. It's very challenging because you cannot you cannot split a child like you just can't. There has to be. So those can be very heartbreaking. And whenever I successfully mediate one of those, that feels very good. Yeah. And in that case, you're they come to a mutual agreement. Now, maybe both sides aren't real happy or one person isn't. But right. at least they didn't have to go to court necessarily right. to get that decided yeah. um, by a judge or somebody that they don't know or have any kind of input with. Yeah. And I would say those types of cases out of all the types of cases, those are sometimes the ones where you just have to go to court, you know, you try to mediate till you get to an impasse, but sometimes you just have to go to court because that is one of the limits of mediation. Everything has to be done voluntarily. I can't decide for you. And it's very hard for people to give up on their children and their, their rights. Yeah. Yeah, I can't even imagine that. Don't want to think about it. Yeah. Okay, so this is kind of a out in left field question, but if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing instead? Oh, I know exactly what I would be doing. <laughs> I would be making documentary films, and that okay. is my that is my long term plan. Okay. Um, specifically about part of the reason I went to law school, and and the reason I like being a lawyer. I'm a very libertarian person, and I really don't like um, intrusive laws. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally fine with, I'm not that type of libertarian where I'm like that libertarian, you know, I, I believe in laws for public safety and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't like laws that um, limit creativity and, or just, you know, punish, you know, any dr- drug laws that just put people in jail for marijuana, things like that. So I would absolutely be making documentary films about bad laws. Okay. Bad laws according to Dory. According to me. Yeah. And I've, right. I've done one. I've done one before. It was in a few film. It was in a few film festivals, but it didn't it didn't win anything. But it was selected for a few. Cool. And I, it was called uh, Hitchhiking with a 357. So you can imagine okay. the subject matter of that. Of nice, that nice, nice. That's something for everyone to uh, Google and maybe yes. check out. I like that. Yes. I, I like catchy titles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So 
let's kind of switch back to your to your practice. What do you kind of see as the biggest opportunity for your practice going forward for the future of what you do? Um, for you. I really hope I really hope to be a part of, of 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 you know in the forefront of the movement to make mediation sort of the default yeah of what people first choice or default yeah. yeah and i think it can be done by attorneys i think there's room for psychologists i think there's room for financial advisors i think family law needs to be a touch less legal and have a touch more of the other things like for example mm-hmm. i think it would be great to have a financial advisor working in every mediation right i just think that there it's it needs a holistic approach which ends up costing a little bit more at the at the outset but mm-hmm. will really can help you come up with a plan that that makes sense. So I want to I want to kind of even create my own model, my own mechanism where you involve experts in it, it you know like I I'm still like refining how I do my mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to be at the forefront of that. Okay. I like that. That's a nice yeah. vision. More um, conferences in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all we need is more conferences <laughs> in Vegas. Okay. Well, they have the facilities for it then. Right. And on the flip side of that, maybe, Dory, the biggest challenge that you or obstacle that you need to overcome or that you want to from a from a business standpoint, from a business standpoint, I think marketing mediation is very challenging Mm -hmm. and I'm still always having trouble with it. So I market directly to to clients. I don't do so much where I'm getting referrals from other attorneys. Most of my most of my clients are coming to me directly and it's very challenging to market mediation because people don't know what it is. Right. Right. Even though it's this large industry within the legal industry. People just really don't know what it is. And a lot of people, you know, they'll think, oh, it's meditation or they've never heard of a mediated divorce. So, like, like I'd love to get a huge billboard here in Austin that says, what is a mediated divorce? Or, you know, I yeah. think that it's about bringing not that general level of general knowledge. And it will probably change within a generation or so, I think, because it, it, it does make so much more sense. But people are very confused very often on the first consultation, especially like if one party knows what mediation is and the other person's yeah. like, who are you? Are you my attorney? Like they don't understand. So I think that's the biggest challenge. Yeah. There's a lot of educational component. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious what your you know opinion just in general, this is kind of a life skill or maybe some life advice. If you could give us kind of one piece of advice on resolving conflict in our own lives, mm-hmm. um, what would that be? Something that you've seen as being successful? I think giving the other person the benefit of the doubt that they have good intentions. Because, I mean, this even goes to learning how to do conflict properly with my own husband, right? Or, you know, with most people that are in your life, they want the best for you. They want the best for themselves, for you, for your kid. They do. And I think that even a lot of people who are getting divorced, they might have not gone that route if they had diffused conflict earlier. And also just having a basic respect, like a, like a true respect for the people around you, understanding that people, two reasonable people, like, like I say, like I'm a libertarian person, but I would never, there's no one where I would look at their politics and just dismiss them. Right. And there's so many people like that now, right. That's the most common thing. People feel so passionate about what they believe in. It's like, feel a little less passionate about what you believe in and understand that every single one of us has a very valid perspective, very valid reasons for feeling the way we feel the same way you're you know, you're very special, but you're not that special kind of thing. Right. And when you humble yourself in that way, I think it just becomes becomes easy to understand um, the trials and tribulations that everyone goes through. And we all kind of all go, go through the same things, but also all go through very different things. And, and just seeing things through that lens, I think. Is yeah, cool. it's interesting when you when you can view the other person, not as their view or their opinion that you might disagree with, but as another human. Right. 
and that they had value, then you can maybe take a step back and, and listen, even if you might not agree, but you can you can appreciate their perspective that they have again. Based on their, like you said, based on their life experiences. Yeah. Good. Great. I love how you said that. Now, if people wanted to learn more about you or maybe contact you, what is the best way for them to do that? So my website, it's OTR mediation, not meditation, mediation.com. <laughs> That's a different site. It's a different <laughs> Don't don't look too closely at my website because it's still the website that I built myself. I'm I'm working on it. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a whole new website very soon. Okay. All right. We're gonna um, check so, up on that story. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I promise you this is this is this is happening. But it's otrmediation.com or you can email me. It's Dory at otrmediation.com and it's Dory with an I. B-O-R-I. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, listen, Dory, thank you so much for being here today. It's been a great conversation, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we hope to raise the confidence of everyday people on the road to retirement to another level, one show at a time. Thanks, everybody, for listening and watching. Tuning in, be well, take care. Dory, thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.